bonus episode. This episode is season two's bonus episode. We teamed up with Jake over at Campfire Chats and Chris and Casey over at Towel Light Talk to bring you these three episode crossover event. This is pretty exciting, guys. First one in DFAT history. What are you about to listen to? Well, this is episode one, where we do a deep dive into the Josh Whedon cut of Justice League that was released in 2017. Afterwards, feel free to check out Campfire Chats for part two, where we discuss the events that got us here and how it developed into the Snyder Cut being released. Then finally, head over to Towel Light Talk for part three, where we discuss the Snyder Cut that was recently released on HBO Max. This was an exciting event, a lot of fun. We did a live show, so check out uh, Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for future items and future uh, talks of, of live chats. Uh, but without further ado, on with the show. Guys, thank you so much for being on the live show. I'm really excited about this. Um, we are here to talk about 2017's Josh Whedon's, uh, if you could call it that, Justice League. Um, not uh, affectionately referred to as the Whedon Cut, starring Ben Affleck, uh, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Azira, Ezra Miller, Jason Momoa, and Ray Fisher. I had to get them all in there. You can't, you can't separate uh, the seven or six, I guess, in this case. But we'll get into that in a second. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Tell me where you're from and why uh, you're here. Well, oh sure, I'll go yeah. first. Yeah, sure. I'm Jake from the Campfire Chats, part of DFAT Entertainment. Uh, we're here because I had a crazy idea uh, to do a Justice League podcast crossover, just like a CW TV show. And now we're covering everything Justice League from Whedon to Snyder. Love it. Casey? Uh, I am Casey. I am from DFATentertainment.com and host, uh, co-host rather of the Towel Light Talk podcast. And, um, you know, and, and the third part of this multi-headed Hydra, we'll be going right into the one movie. But I guess for now, we'll talk about this, this weight and cut here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is crazy. So Zack Snyder, um, in my opinion, Pretty good director. Nothing uh, nothing to write home about, but he's got some good films out there. He's also got some bad <laughs> films out there. Well, I mean, so you got to look at you got to look at Sucker Punch. Not a great movie. You we know that. We it covered your, it. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yep. Love it. But <laughs> you look at something like Man of Steel. Very well done, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, 300. Very well done. He's got yep. a very unique way of making films. Um, yeah. I mean, the only other director that comes to mind that has such a unique way would, would have to be Tim Burton. Uh, not that they're similar. I'm just saying they both, when you see a Tim Burton film, when you see a, a Zack Snyder film, you know, that's who directed it. I, I will I'll take. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So he comes on, he does man of steel. He does Batman V Superman, Dawn of justice, not crazy. Uh, well received um, some, some noticeable complaints and errors, but Hey, every director's got them. And he decides he is he, that, that's it. DC is is releasing the Snyder verse, and we're gonna get multiple movies from him. Uh, he goes on to do Justice League, and and by all reports, has this insane four hour movie that the studio says, "Listen, 
uh, yeah, maybe we can release that at some point down the road. But for now, we need something trimmed down two hours theatrical cut. Can you do it? He goes as far as getting a two hour and 30 minute cut, I believe, which was actually screened. Everybody agreed that there had to be some changes made. But all in all, the film was there probably about 70 to 80 percent complete. Uh, he then suffers a family tragedy. And we'll go into a little more in depth about that in our part two segment as to what, you know, how it all happened. But uh, he has to step away from the film due to a death in the family. And we get Josh Whedon. Now, uh, I'm going to heavily lean on, on your expertise, Casey, when it comes to this information. But it's to my knowledge that at this point, Josh Whedon has done a few, uh, you know, Disney Marvel type movies, but has largely not been the face of the company yet. In fact, he had previously uh, entered pre-production with his own Wonder Woman movie that was eventually scrapped and replaced by the one that we, we had. Um, so he has he's worked with Warner Brothers. Uh, can you give us a little more information as far as where he is in his career at this point? I mean, at, at this point, he's coming off of two of the most successful movies of all time. He has The Avengers and he's got Age of Ultron. Um, me as, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favorite TV show of all time. You know, he's the genius behind that and, and Firefly. Um, so at, at this point, Joss Whedon is pretty much uh, a Marvel guy, a Disney guy because of Age of Ultron and, um, and Avengers. So he could he could kind of do no wrong. And it seemed like at the time of us hearing about uh, Justice League and, and what happened with Zack Snyder's family, um, it, it was like, OK, we'll get this other heavy hitter who's not doing any movies over at Disney, kind of like how James Gunn is now over on Suicide Squad right now. Um, and we'll see like what he can do to help us out. Now, why why I bring that up is because I think a lot of times when people refer to Josh Whedon now is Joss. Josh, 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 J-O-S-S. It's French, probably. But I mean, you know what? We. That goes right in line with, with my show normally and the amount oh, of I names know. that I've screwed up on this podcast. I've known you too long to know that. As long as I don't got to spell it, I'm fine. Yeah. So, um, so he is not he's not the head of Marvel Studios at this point. And a lot of times you think of him now, you're like, man, he's everything Marvel. He is the reason why we have 10 years and an amazing storyline and billions well, and billions of dollars. That's Kevin Feige. That's the reason why well, that, we have that, that's true, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he is not he's not there as of right now. And he takes over, and at the time, everybody's like, Oh, that's awesome. What a nice guy, helps him out. Uh and then there's like massive reshoots. And again, we'll go in more detail with you know campfire chats uh, with Jake. But essentially, the movie comes out, and it's and, and even Zack Snyder comes out and says, "This is not my movie. This is not the movie I made. This isn't the movie I intended to make." And though that starts, you know, everything else after that, which again, I'm not touching because, as far as I'm concerned, this is the only Justice League. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> you know, but this is the only Justice League. I'm so like, sorry. We're already bombing. Part one's bombing. <laughs> I love that you bring that up. And here's why. Because I, when this first came out and I watched it, I think I watched it actually with Dave and Casey. You did. And, and I was like, I, this, I have to like this. This is, this is amazing. Like, I just, I, I took it like a baby bird. 
uh, and it's all its glory. And now I go back and I watched it again uh, for this the the podcast. I you know I don't feel the need to defend this movie anymore. Is it watchable? Yes. Thank you, Bob. Thank it is a, you. It is a watchable. It only took movie. you five years. It took me five years. To finally, admit this. This is this is actually my therapy right here. This is why I agreed to do this. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't want to spoil the ending because we always say, you know, was this a good movie at the end? But you know, it, it it's watchable. It's definitely watchable. I mean, I've I've watched some pretty horrible movies, and this is this is watchable. Um, but it's not great. And and let let's talk about first some some details on the movie. Number one, multiple taglines for the movie. Uh, you can't save the world alone. Unite it, unite the league, justice for all. But the best one and the first one, unite the seven. Now, Jake, you're you're a comic book fan, correct? I am a comic book fan. Says the man wearing you, a Batman fan <laughs> Batman shirt. There we go. I've Can you tell the, the the viewing audience at home what does that mean? Unite the seven. What does that mean? Uh, well, in this case, it meant the seven members of the Justice League to make the Justice League. Um, but there might be a little problem with that tagline. So, so Jake, uh, spoilers. Can you tell us how many members are in the Justice League in this movie? I believe it's six. Six. So why the hell would you make the tagline for your movie, Unite the Seven? And that was quickly thrown away. That Jason Momoa picture was taken down, and we're just gonna we're gonna pretend like that didn't happen. And then they released four other taglines for the movie. Movie is PG-13 uh, for sequences of sci-fi violence and action. It is released November 17th, 2017. It has a very specific runtime of 120 minutes. Two hours exactly. Exactly what the studio wanted. The budget for the movie, $300 million. That's which it? Which is insane. <laughs> and what's even crazier is half of that went to creating a new upper lip for Superman. <laughs> which we will also get in, uh, in, in conversation about here. Uh, ultimately, the movie goes on to do $657 million, which doubles its budget for all intent and purposes is a successful movie. It has made its budget plus back. Um, and man, I don't even, I'm dreading getting into the information of this movie. Um, I don't want to go through all the details. It's too agonizing and painful, but let's just say that they are forced to fight a big bad. We got to get everybody together because we got to beat up the big bad. The big bad in this movie is Stefan Wolf. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on Stephen Wolf? Can I correct you? The big bad in this movie is knockoff Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so give me your thoughts on Stephen Wolf. We'll start with Jake. What what are your what are your uh, thoughts on on this version of Stephen Wolf? Graphically, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park looked better, and that movie was shot way before this. And character wise. Just tried to make Ultron again because Ultron, in my opinion, wasn't that great of a villain because he felt rushed, and Steppenwolf felt like a rushed villain. Casey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Steppenwolf was horrible, and I just uh, it was horrible CGI, and that already took me out of it so, um. And then his motivation was reasons 
So, you know, like, <laughs> I got things I want to do. I have, I have things with these boxes that I've got to do and I'm 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 going to do them. Here here are my two biggest issues with this version of Stephen Wolf. Number 1, his obsessive ob need to refer to the boxes as mother. Like not mother, not mother boxes. boxes. Yeah, but that's not what he was calling them. The whole movie he refers to them as mother. Mother has called me here. I must find mother. Where is mother? And that was just weird. Like it was just unnecessary. Could you call him anything else? Um, but my second issue is this move the the lion in Jumanji, Robin Williams Jumanji in 1996 had better CGI than this version of Stephen Wolf. I don't understand yeah, deep cut. Yes. Deep <laughs> <laughs> That's for the hardcore fans right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just a bad version of him. They decide to eliminate dark side altogether, which again, we'll go into more detail later, especially when we talk about the newer version of the movie. It, he has no real reason to want these boxes. Uh, he doesn't explain it. And he gathers them up. In the meantime, Batman is going out and, and essentially trying to gather up the Justice League, him and Wonder Woman, because they already know each other. They're longtime friends. They killed Superman together. Um, Casey, can you talk about who Stephen Wolf is in the comic books? No. Exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> can you? <laughs> no. Um, he's I, a dude. He's a no, dude. no, I know. I'm I'm just messing with you. When you're he, making he, a hardcore comic book movie, it's really important that you include a villain that no comic book fans have ever heard of. I he is a quote unquote like disciple of Darkseid, um, who is their version of Thanos, which was created by Jack Kirby when uh Marvel wouldn't let Jack Kirby get weird. Honestly, like that's it. Jack Kirby was like, I want to do this weird stuff. I want to do gods, blah, blah, blah. And Marvel's like, eh, we just deal with regular humans getting like powers. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're, we're good on that. And uh, he was like, OK, cool. So, of course, uh, DC snatched up Jack Kirby of all people. And he created uh, Dark Side and the New Gods. And um, from that, we have just like Thanos has like the children of thanos or or whatever or the black parade i can't remember what their name is exactly um it's not the black parade that's a sweet good song it's a sweet uh, song sweet song sweet awesome album song. uh but yeah you know so steppenwolf is a, a disciple of, of dark side so so here's the thing steppenwolf is not only a disciple disciple of dark side steppenwolf is the nephew of dark side he is dark side's sister's son oh um, and on top of that uh Prior to the new 52, who, for some odd reason, decided to make Stephen Wolf a big part of uh, their comic books, or at least a, a noticeable part. Prior to that, uh, Stephen Wolf had been in exactly four or five issues of a DC comic book. He is that forgettable of a character. Now, with that being said, I think you know Marvel has pulled some forgettable characters out of the closet and, and dust them off for some movies and done a really good job on them. Uh, this is what happens when you do that with a character and don't do a good job on him so they he gets the mother boxes uh jake can you tell us where the mother boxes were and how did he get them uh let's see one of them was with cyborg because he created cyborg one was in atlantis being protected by the atlanteans and one was in themiscara being protected by the god why am i the amazons Amazonian, yeah. the amazonians and they had 
in that version of the story been brought to earth by steppenwolf in the long 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 ago past they beat him back and the tribes of earth separated the boxes so they could never meet again and each one took one box so let me get this straight steppenwolf has these three boxes that when you put them together form an ultimate weapon okay let's 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 put that into context here so if i have a rifle and i've taken it apart into three pieces okay i'm now going to use this rifle to invade your home um i think the best thing to do is i'm going to kick in the front door and then i'll assemble the rifle because that's clearly when you would assemble a monstrous weapon during the attack which is how stefan wolf does that is that correct pretty much yeah yeah Yeah, sounds sounds about right sounds about right he gets beat back the the people that beat him back are obviously the great great grandparents of all of our heroes here uh, and they separate the boxes and split them up stefan wolf gets that how does he get them in the movie Uh, force (laughs) originally (laughs) he he just kind of had them no i mean i mean he comes back he comes back to earth years later yeah and and he gets them how he attacks the amazonians he attacks the atlanteans and then god does he just find cyborg's box i don't even remember in the weed and cut how he gets that one so yeah so here we'll i want to go over that in a second real quick i want to give a shout out to ruben he's got a great comment here the humans bury that shit on a hill and they're like all right cool who's got some ale because that's so the amazons (laughs) i mean the amazons and the atlanteans they take their box and for thousands of years they guard it with with armed guards that are highly trained yeah the humans took their box and immediately was like yeah we don't need this shit you know in like two foot of dirt (laughs) it was barely enough for the dirt to cover the top and they filled it and it took thousands of years to find this thing now let's talk about how Stephen Wolf gets them. He literally shows up, grabs it, and leaves in, in two of the instances. He's got a boom tube, dude. The Amazons <laughs> and the uh the, the other the swimmers, the, the fishy people, they both lose their mother box in 15 seconds. <laughs> it, this is this is a, a huge plot hole. Uh, but anyway, Batman gets the team together and their first thought as to how are we going to destroy this alien invader is we need to somehow resurrect Superman because none of us are doing this. We got to get him. We got to get him. Otherwise, we're screwed. We're not doing anything. Not us. No way. Yeah. <laughs> they take the mother box. They resurrect Superman. He comes back crazy and really pissed off um, for I would assume just being woken up. Here's one thing I will say I really like about this version. I do enjoy the line, do you bleed? Superman attacks Batman, picks him up. Hey, Chris is here. Chris. Hey. <laughs> Gentlemen. Oh, you, Gentlemen. And J- you and Jake have to fight. Wait, that's That was the point. <laughs> Do you bleed? Wait, that's your line. All right. That's <laughs> that was just, one of my, that was one of my favorite name. scenes. So I, I believe from what I heard, that was a uh Whedon add-in. Uh, I could be well, wrong. Clearly. I but mean, while we're on it, I want to go around real quick. Tell, what's your favorite part of this movie? This movie is bad. We can all admit that. 
uh, spoilers uh, as far as what we think about the movie, but there's, you've got to be, there's got to be redeemable quality. What's the scene that was like, okay, I like that. I hope they keep that. Who you let's start with, with uh, let's start with Casey. It, it's a scene that carried over into both versions. Spoilers. Um, and that is when Superman is fighting all of them and the flash tries to run by and he gives him the Luigi look like uh-uh. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> like, that, that is just such a sweet scene. I guess that Zack Snyder's version, you know, like he decided to do that. But honestly, for the Wade in version only, that is my favorite scene. I, I will agree with that. I like that scene. And the best part is the first time I watched that movie and Flash takes off, my immediately thought, my, my immediate thought was, doesn't Superman go like just as fast? Is he going to? And then oh, he does. Amazing. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, Chris, what about you? We're talking the weeding cut, right? Correct. And it can be part of the Snyder. Absolutely. Okay. My favorite part is when Aquaman is in the sky and he gets thrown at that parademon and he surfs it down into that building, my man. shattering the entire <laughs> building and rides him out. I was just, I sweet. love Aqua Bro. Is, um, yeah, and I lo- know a lot of people don't. I'm a big Jason Momoa fan. And I, I thought that was pretty awesome, honestly. I mean, when they were talking about this movie and, and they were talking about the characters they were going to add, you know, how how do you do Aquaman? Let's be serious. Classic Aquaman is ripped right from the 80s. He could be in a Scooby-Doo mystery, which I'm sure he was at some point. The bright yellow, the bright, bright green. There's always that joke that, like, you get him out of water and he's just a normal guy. Um, and when they cast Jason Momoa, I think that was a really good, like, listen, we're going to approach this a little more hardcore. And uh, I think he did a good job. Uh, Jake, what about you? Well, I mean, classic Aquaman is the deep from the boys. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true, 100. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> my favorite scene is actually one that Joss added in, and I think it's only my favorite because it's the only joke that didn't fall flat in this movie for me. Ugh. And it's when they're in the carrier and Aquaman is sitting on. Uh, Wonder Woman's rope and gets way too serious <laughs> and then threatens Barry that it was never hurt. Every other joke in this movie, from like the lowest being thirsty joke to everything else, <laughs> fell so flat. And that scene made me laugh. So that is that is good. That is you're 100% right. I like that scene too. I forgot about that. Yeah. I like the the rope of truth or rope, rope of destiny, whatever she calls it. Lasso of truth. Lasso shoot, thank you. I don't yeah. know why I was thinking rope. Um, so I mean, long story short, they beat Stephen Wolf, they send him back to you know, hence he came, and that's it. Superman's cool, uh, he snaps out of it. I mean, there's not really a whole lot you can say about this movie. I don't think it was setting anything up uh for the future. I think it was kind of what we didn't put together, and we'll go over uh in, in part two of this what my thoughts are on his motivation for doing so. Uh, but real quick, before we get into that, I do want to talk about the three questions that we have to ask ourselves about every movie. Mm. 
There's a perfect amount of time. That is. I mean, it's, it's just, especially for live shows. I feel like it works better when you turn into a live show just to hear music played. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. Because there's three of you and because I have three questions, we're going to give everybody one question. So I'm going to start with Casey again. Casey, you get question number one. Oh, what was the message of this film? And do you agree with it? I think it was Unite the Seven. <laughs> 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 and I, I don't agree with it because there was only six. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this movie has had an impact on kids' math? Like, there's a noticeable, <laughs> there's a noticeable dip in the math scores. You know, for any small child that paid attention to pre-marketing, yes, they're screwed forever. <laughs> but uh, the rest of them are all right. I like how you you pretend like that's not a thing when you know you did that when you were little. Of course, of course I do. I still do. I still I buy the posters before the movie comes out. Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun. So come join me at the campfire chats. A DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. All right, Chris, you got question number two. How did the movie leave you feeling, and do you think it was intentional? (laughs) How did it left me feeling confused? Um, (laughs) And I, I, I wish I would have been part of this whole conversation. you know, it, it it left me thinking that DC wanted to go in the right direction, uh, that they were trying to get back to, like, the brighter, more hopeful DC universe that most of the other characters portray um, or should be portrayed as. Uh, and I think it was intentional, yes. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I mean, honestly, like like I mentioned earlier, I walked out of that movie theater really feeling like I had to defend this movie. And I, I think that's common. I think if you're a DC fan and you see these movies, you feel the need to defend them because it's the characters you've always loved. And it's probably the same thing for the Marvel fans out there, I'm sure. Um, but what I, what I realized in the time <clears throat> since then is that what I want to defend is a movie that does the characters I like justice. That's what I want to defend. I want to see of those characters. Yeah. I want to, I want to see a good movie and be able to say, see, see, these are the, these are the characters I love and here's why I love them. And this movie just didn't, it was, it was a betrayal by Warner brothers in my opinion. Um, But okay. Moving right along. Question number three, Jake, what is the most important sequence of the movie? Ooh, Ooh, this is a uh, tough one. Man. Probably when they resurrect Superman, because it's one of the only sequences that has any sort of meaning in the entire movie. Uh, Because I don't think they, even with bad Ultron uh, Steppenwolf, I don't know if they win without Superman. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think, honestly, that's one thing that this movie did a horrible job of. And I kind of, I, you know, I joked around about it earlier, but the movie makes you feel like every other superhero is worthless next to Superman. If you don't have him, just hang hang your cowl up. You're done. It's over. Casey, I just, yeah, well, I just, I wanted to kind of counteract Jake, not, not to say that you're wrong. I just have a differing opinion. And I think the movie really hangs on the crux of uh, family 
and specifically Russian families. And <laughs> that is probably the sequence that really ties the movie together. Here's what I love about that, that through line. So they, you see the Russian family in the beginning when yeah, Stephen Wolf shows up, then you don't see them for like an hour. So when they show back up, you're like, oh yeah. And then this like, makes sense now. Right. I, I, com I completely forgot about them. And they've been sitting in their house for what seems like a week and a half. And they've oh, never haven't been found. Here yet. we go. We got a couple, couple comments, Bob. <laughs> Not to mention how Whedon shit on cyborg storyline. Yeah. And that will, I'm sure we'll touch more about that. I'm, I'm in part two, but go ahead, Jake. I, I, I mean, like not only do we have bad Ultron, we have Joss trying to create bad Scar Sarkovia. <laughs> or whatever it is and he's like oh one family lives there and we're going to put a scene in that explains well a family who might not have anywhere else to live will live near chernobyl and apparently the only family around which is true and then in the end when they escape you see a herd of people leaving and it's like yeah. why was yeah. this family the important one to watch what about all yeah. the other ones yeah i love how it, i love how aquaman has that line of like yeah maybe they got nowhere else to go you know, like me, who had two homes the entire time I was growing up. <laughs> crazy, crazy. So uh, let's, I mean, do we have to do a round table? Was this a good movie? Anybody think this was a good movie? Yeah, I didn't think so. Redeemable There's a reason qualities. why I got a cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, it's redeemable qualities. It's a good, it's it's worth a watch, I think, especially if you like the Warner Brothers. Now, mythos. though. Well, four hours is hard to stomach, man. If you if you need if you need the cliff notes, I mean, we'll talk about if it. If you but, need the cliff yeah. notes of of uh, you know the the Schneider cut, it's the it's the Whedon cut. <laughs> there uh, there is one thing I miss from the Whedon cut, and it is the race between Superman and the Flash. Honestly, oh, that, but it's not right earned. There, but it's not earned. It's not earned. It's not earned. That's it was the, it was pushed down your was, throat. Yeah, that's my only thing that, about it. But that's the kind of stuff that dc universe Fans. people want to see yeah I that's it. it this is i mean we can but, argue but all day it about it me, but those kind of traditions give it to me at the end of a flash movie don't don't throw it in at the end of the first justice league i mean that's because that's always like the grand question right is you know is superman faster than the flash is he stronger than you know i don't know everybody yeah <laughs> Well, I, so, I counteract that with the fact that they they fought, you know, and he and when he gives him that side eye, which is in both movies, he's obviously testing the speed and he's showing that he's just as fast as he is. So I think that, yes, it is a shoe in, but I think that it it's one of those things where as a DZ fan, I like to see that. Go, go so ahead, so I, I need to hop in. This is not a good movie. But just like you, Bob, <laughs> I think I had to defend it early on. And I actually thought this was better than Age of Ultron originally. Ooh. Going back, I still do not like Age of Ultron. But it is a significantly better movie than this. Yes. And I think WandaVision helped me appreciate yeah. Age of yeah, Ultron for more. Sure. And for that, sure. That's uh, what I was going to say, actually, about the this Flash Superman race. Is that like, like WandaVision betters... Um, Age of Ultron. I think the only way this race at the end of the movie does any justice is if Flash loses, and then after the Flash movie they race again, and and Flash wins that time because then you get some character growth. 
Justice League for Dummies brought you by the guy who sterilized Black Widow. Yeah. Thanks, Ruben. Yeah, he's right. hundred percent. But I mean, I think if you had the two races where you see, you know, young Flash, naive, he's now worked with the team, kind of like a Spider-Man type thing where he's grown up a little bit and now he's better, then yeah, that, that might add to this race a little bit. Right. I mean, it's a cool Easter egg. It's a cool you Easter know, egg. And, but Chris, to counteract your question or counterpoint your question, would you rather see what we got out of Justice League's epilogue or would you rather see that again? I'm just trying to be positive when talking about this card. <laughs> <laughs> he he no. refuses to answer the question. <laughs> of course not. I love, I love answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> Superman answer. <laughs> so uh, let's real quick, let's get into the next thing, which is guess that tomato. Great tomato picking. Thank you. So as you may or may not be aware, Guess That Tomato has uh, you know ratings for all their movies. They have an audience rating and they have a critics rating. So I ask all Rotten my guests. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes, yes. Rotten tomatoes. What did I say? Guess That Tomato because you're uh, just trying to pimp yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, actively. Um, so what I'm going to have you do is give me what you think the audience score is for the Whedon Cut of Justice League from 2017. <sighs> give you a couple clues and then we'll go around and see if anybody wants to change their guess. Let's start with Casey. I, so here's the thing. I bet you it's gone down because of, uh, you know, the Snyder cut. So I'm gonna say it's sitting at fifty four percent. Okay, Casey says fifty four. Uh, next is Chris. Twenty six. Twenty six. Wow. Man, okay. No. Jake, what is your guess? I'm I'm gonna give it forty two. 42. Okay. So answer. now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys three movies that are within 2% of the Rotten Tomato score for Justice League. And then uh, we'll go around and see if you guys want to change your guess. So movie number one, Terminator Dark Fate. Because when your franchise <laughs> screws up its timeline so badly, you have to bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton. Still movie number two. Thank God. Movie number two, Solo, a Star Wars story. Remember all that character development we did through three movies <clears throat> with fun little facts about Han Solo? Get ready to learn the backstory in every single one of them. Every single one of them in one movie. And movie number three, Swiss Army Man. The answer to the question, name a movie that couldn't possibly be greenlit ever. <laughs> Did you make these up? Uh, <laughs> oh, they're right on. They're right on the websites. All it's right, it's their right. taglines. So, real quick, Casey, what do you think? Do you want to change your guess from fifty-four? No, I actually don't. I want to. I want to keep it. Keep it right there. Okay, yep. Chris. What about you? Twenty-six. No, I'm. I'm going up as Solo is on that um, because Solo is obviously still a superior movie to this one. Um, <laughs> it's a for some reason. It, I love it. I Love do like Solo a lot. Solo. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to go with 50. Okay, for the record, um, $1. <laughs> if I if I have both you guys on the show for every season finale, we're doing Solo at some point because I can't wait to hear how you make that movie sound good. Oh. 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 All, all day. You're oh. talking to Star Warriors right now? <laughs> do you really want to have that fun? That's right. I can't wait. It'll be great. Um and Jake, you said 42. What do you think? 
ah, man, like I want to go higher because Solo is a really good movie, Thank but you. I'm going to assume the other two are really bad, and I, <laughs> I don't understand how Solo's that low, so I'm not going to change. Ooh. Solo. <clears throat> so. <laughs> hey, Jose. Hello, my friend. Jose's here. Ruben wants to get oh, in Ruben. on that episode. Okay. <laughs> you want everyone oh, likes solo, dude. Don't you mess want with the Star, Star Warriors. Warriors I'm obviously a hardcore Star Wars fan. Yeah. If, you, if you haven't listened to the Star Wars yeah. Warrior episode that I'm on, please go back and listen to that. I gave my full resume on Star Wars there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the correct answer is. Seventy-one. Seventy-one. Oh. This movie what this movie it got is is high right now on Rotten Tomatoes. And Casey, I think it's for the opposite reason. I think what it is is they're both in Rotten Tomatoes as Justice League. So I think people are going in and voting on the new one and it's raising this one's score. That could happen. Or people are stupid and just don't <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it says Justice League. I'm gonna vote. <laughs> Clearly, like gotta vote. Dummies vote on those things, anyways. So I got one more thing I want to do with you guys, but before I do that, any closing remarks on Whedon's cut of Justice League? Anything you guys want to touch on or comments that you have to make on oh, it? I got one thing, and it's it's uh, the soundtrack because I'm a soundtrack guy. It's Danny Elfman who does the soundtrack for Justice League, and that actually was my favorite part of the movie and it it gets cut from Zack Snyder's movie and it makes me very sad because he threw in little pieces of um the original Batman 89 theme that he created and the, all that stuff is gone so yeah that, well that's the one thing that I, I was sad about because I actually loved the soundtrack that was my favorite part Jacob? I got something because it, it's going to tease something when we get to the campfire trap there were some very poor sexual jokes that fell very, very <laughs> flat in this movie. Um, I just need to point out again, remember that. Martha saying to Lois, he always told me you were so thirsty, then pausing for laughter and then going hungry. Hungry is the word he used. <laughs> ah. I, think, I think that joke lands nine out of 10 times and they just put the one out of 10 in the movie. Um, I fr- so sorry, I forgot. They cut a line out of the Waden cut, uh, and it's not a good line, but it's the one about Clark smelling good. And I was like, dude, you just dug up a dead body <laughs> and he smells good, he's a fucking zombie. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, I did want to point out one more thing about how I'm pretty sure Joss was just trying to remake Age of Ultron, <laughs> even the um. Time to bring in the big guns. I'm like, is Bruce going to have a Superman buster suit? And it's <laughs> Lois Lane in a car. That would have been great. That would have like, been, been great. What? It would have only been cool if it like flew to him. Like, exactly. like it shows yes. up around him. Uh, as a suit. Amazing. I'm not even going to touch on the whole upper lip thing. You know why? It's such a ridiculous. Uh, the fact that that even happened. The fact yeah. that that CGI was put out and people were like, think anybody's going to notice? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was so derailing. It, every scene that it's in, that's all you can stare. Like you, you just blank on dialogue just because yeah. it's all you can look at. It's yeah. unbelievable. Um, okay, so before I let you guys go, uh, it's a firm belie- uh, belief of the owners that don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something. While it may not be comic books and movies, maybe it's resurrecting your dead friends and fighting off aliens. Uh, so I got to ask you guys, what is it you're currently geeking out on? Let's start with Casey. This, honestly, the Snyder Cut and 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 everything surrounding it. Um, it's funny because I, I would imagine as we continue to go on through this over two hour long episode and and through a three part crossover that I was of the opinion that I didn't give a crap about this uh, Snyder Cut, and here we are. So it's funny that we're all talking about it it continues to be uh talking about it and as my wife says also i'm re-watching game of thrones with her so i'm also geeking out on that <laughs> too bad they never made season eight of that show it would have been a great show don't say anything she's seen nothing she it's weird nothing. That it just abruptly ended for just no nothing about it don't say anything <laughs> chris what about you what are you geeking out on yeah, uh, Snyder Cut, I watched it twice, so that's taken up most of my life in the last you know week. Um, but also uh, reading DC Future State and getting into Infinite Frontier. So all the DCs. Nice. Jake, what about you? So uh, right now I'm geeking out on a book, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century by Harar. I can never say the rest of his name. You, um, you nailed it. Good, good book. Um, and Thanks to my daughter, I have to read her the My Little Pony comics every night. And they're actually really good. And just a quick aside on this, there is a scene where there's two people talking in the background of one of the panels. And it goes, no, what you don't understand is both the heroes' moms had the same name. That's That's why they got along. And I just died because i'm like this is in a my little pony comic that is so that is that is a perfectly good ending to a major battle um (laughs) is just assuming that you guys have the same named relative um that's how i end all my fights how do you think me and my sister never killed each other we were like wait your mom is is mom and then solved it uh, well, thank you guys so much for being on Gutsy Media Podcast. Check out part two on Campfire Chats and part three on Towel Light Talk of this amazing Justice League crossover event. And with that, Jake, take over. Take over.